0: thinking about Psalm 126 this morning which is a song of ascent or a pilgrimage song. And since we're going to jump into this kind of ascent this journey this song together, uh, I want to kick us off with talking about a little David Bowie. If you don't know who David Bowie is, you're going to have to look him up. He has just some some remarkable music and um The song that that I've been listening to as I was writing this sermon is The Man Who Sold the World. And and copyright laws won't allow me to uh, give you a chance to hear that song at the same time, so you will have to look it up yourself. But this is a song about duality. Being on a journey, lost chances, these lives that haven't been lived, and making your way back home. And with David Bowie, it's also about a lot more. Duality is something we know well, I think, refers to having two parts, right? Sometimes they seem like two sides of a coin, like heads and tails, or good and evil, or peace and war. In one sense, they seem like they are opposite of each other. But with further inspection, you see that they are intricately woven together, right? Heads and tails literally are both a part of the coin. Good and evil are the yin and the yang. What is peace without knowing war? And there's a duality that we face during the holidays in the midst of a year that will go down in history, and that is pain and joy. Do you feel that own duality, that own tension within your life well, our work this third Sunday of Advent, as we prepare for Christmas Eve, is to focus on joy. And maybe you're a part of a tradition that lights Advent candles to kind of work your way through this season. In my tradition, we lit the third candle, the candle of joy. And so I want us to think about joy, which which might be hard to do because in this Pandemic and all of the stuff 2020 has thrown at us, it can be hard to focus on joy because there's a lot of pain. But the thing about joy is that it's more than happiness. Joy is something different, it's something that's beyond our circumstances. Christmas itself is a duality, right? There's a baby Jesus being born a long time ago that we remember, as well as this return of Christ that will come someday in the future. We hold this together in tension. In David Bowie's song, the man who sold the world has a lot of this duality in it. He expresses it in the lyrics as uh, it's about a man who encounters himself and these lost chances in life, these things he didn't live, his current realities face-to-face with other realities that didn't exist because of the choices he made. There's a second way that Bowie ties this together, and it's, uh, he takes some of the lyrics as a shout-out to his previous song, Space Oddity. Maybe you know this one, Major Tom to Ground Control. Um, and, and maybe you don't know these songs, and that's okay. Honestly, you only need to know them if you like good music, right? But um, the point is, David Bowie does a wonderful job of tying his music together right? Things are tied together, just like our worlds are tied together. And even if you don't know me and I don't know you, still our worlds are tied so intricately together. Scripture is full of stories that are tied to one another. And so when we get into some of these scriptures today, we're going to throw a few out there um, because they tie to one another so well. So let's think about this song of ascent. And when I do so, I think about traveling, right? And are there times when you've listened to songs um, as like a journey, as part of being on a journey? This time last year, my wife and daughters and I, we drove from Iowa to New York City to go see a Taylor Swift concert. And I know maybe you're saying, hold on, David Bowie and Taylor Swift in the same sermon? Um, Yep, that's how we roll in the Vaughn household. But we are on our way, and as we're driving the long drive to New York City, we are listening to Taylor Swift the entire time. But on our way home, things were different. We couldn't wait to get home. And honestly, the kids and my wife, they all kind of just fell asleep as we drove the long drive straight through the night to get home. There was a lot of silence. But there's something about being home. Right, we love going out on these journeys, uh, especially when it's, it's something that we want to do, but there's something about returning home. You know this, if you, uh, you know, kids go off to college and they, there's something wonderful about coming home, even if it's just for a short time, we're surrounded by people we love, right? That's what home things seem to be right. There's a feeling of stability and safety, or at least there should be. But there are times when we leave these wonderful places of home and we go create a new place. Sometimes we choose to do so. I think we just call that growing up or moving into the next stage of our life. But other times we're forced to leave. And that's called exile. And I want you to remember this term exile. We're gonna be talking about this for quite a bit. In my own life, I've had both these uh, movements of growth and movements of exile. I left home on my own to be on my own when I was 16. I found a new home. The terms are not ideal. Um, I wasn't looking to leave home. I left because of abuse. My first new home was an abandoned home, right? Out in the middle of nowhere that I camped in for the summer. But my second new home was in a new town. And the relationships that formed in this new town were the foundation for me becoming a pastor. This new place was better than I could have imagined, yet I longed for what was, even though what was, was chaotic. But when that new place became home, I left again. Right? And this is what we do. We journey a lot. And so we, we find these songs of ascent, of uh, being on a journey that guide us. And, you know, we also have a lot of stories of struggle. Uh, Our journeys are full of struggle. 2020 is full of struggle. Just this week, I'm in the middle of, uh, after the sermon recording is done, I'll be heading off for a funeral. I've received letters as a pastor for people who are uh, struggling with hopelessness in the present and the future. Disconnection, grandparents wanting to hold their grandbabies. Right? families struggling to say grace around the table because they're not with their loved ones these holidays. But there's also stories of joy, right? I've got to know quite a few people better. New people have entered our faith communities. I've had more family time at home, more quiet time, more time to reflect and reconnect with friends. I know not everybody has had the same amount of joy or the same amount of struggle. But I do believe that there is still a lot to rejoice after. And this joy comes from God. And I think we can see joy more clearly when we have gratitude. And part of gratitude comes from knowing the story. So let's dive into Psalm 126, this traveling song, pilgrimage song, a song of ascent. There's a duality here, right? Because these are the Israelites who are on a journey. Uh, And the journey does not start off wonderful. They are in exile. Okay, and so there's two psalms. Psalm 137 has a few lines from the beginning I want to share with you. This is about the Israelites at the beginning of their exile, and it's, to set the scene, it's 586 BCE. The Babylonians just conquered Israel. They've sieged Jerusalem. They've been starving them until they fell under King Nebuchadnezzar II. Their homes crushed to ruins. Their temples burned. Tens of thousands killed. The survivors of war, they're driven into exile, forced to leave home. And so they marched from home, Zion, right? Many not surviving this journey. And so they take this pilgrimage to Babylon, the home of those who've just conquered them. They make their ways to Babylon. They make their way to Babylon, their new home. And Psalm 137 says, along Babylon's streams, there we sat down crying, because we remembered Zion. Right? We remember in your home being somewhere you don't want to be. Struggling to find joy in this new place, and look, I'm not saying that our lives are uh, the exact same scenario of our Jewish ancestors, but I do think we could look at a part of their story and make parallels to help us live faithfully in the world today. It's in this part of the exile, this hard part here, that the famous words uh, the prophet Jeremiah spoke in 29:11, chapter 29, verse 11 uh comes from and, and you know if you've grown up around a church maybe you've heard these words before we use them for our own hope from time to time god says through the prophet jeremiah for i know I, the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future here's what's interesting about the plans the lord has the plans are not for immediate rescue Right? These plans actually involve God's people fully investing themselves in this new reality. They are to create new rhythms, learn a new language, learn a new way of being God's people. This is what God wants from them. This is what it looks like to live faithfully, to fully invest in the space they are now. And God asks them to thrive in Babylon. He does offer a return home. But this hope might not even be seen by the current generation. God says you will return after 70 years. God isn't offering hope of a quick fix. God's people will need to find joy in the current realities while holding on to some hope that someday they will get to see home again. And maybe if it's actually not them who get to see it. But do you know what happened in this exile? Jewish identity strengthened. They kept the Sabbath. They kept their laws. They formed strong communities. They longed for their temple. Instead instead of letting a temple define them, they let God define them, and they thrived. Then something happens. 539 BCE. The mighty army of Cyrus the Great, king of Persia and Medea, comes in and conquers Babylon, right? Conquers those who conquered the Israelites and King Cyrus makes an unprecedented gesture. He declares that all nations, including the Jews, are now permitted to return home and rebuild their temples. So enter our current Psalm, number 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, this Psalm says, we were like those who dream." Then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. And it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Tear and joy, pain and joy. This is the duality we're facing this Christmas. The return to Zion, the return to their homeland, Israel, Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the temple, all of that is about to begin for these people. God has followed through on God's promises. We come from a people who, and we are a people who, live in duality. We live with the hope of what will be, and we also find gratitude and joy in ways to survive and thrive in the present realities. Joy doesn't diminish the things we yearn for. Joy gives God praise regardless of circumstance. Joy heals us. And exile, it's the story of God's people. It's our story too. We're longing for a better home. We're longing to be in the garden again. We're longing for God's kingdom to fully break through this place today. The good news is the scriptures tell over and again of a hope in a restorer of exile. That's what the Advent season is about. That's what leading up to Christmas Eve is about. Looking forward to the Restorer's coming, the Christ who creates a new way, a way of restoration, the Christ who enters our world now. So, where are you on this exile journey? Are you stuck somewhere asking the Lord to change your circumstances? That's okay right? It's okay to still be surviving. Um, Maybe you'll move to thriving. Maybe you won't quite make it to that space. Maybe it just takes some time. Rarely is God in a rush. Or maybe you're stuck in ambiguity. Remember that David Bowie song, the the third piece of brilliance in the man who sold the world is the musical metaphor. There's this constant, never-changing rift that runs throughout the entire song. And then the song ends on an unresolved chord, right? It's unfinished. It's ambiguous. We find ourselves in a world of ambiguity today. Our story is unfinished. The story laid out through scripture is unfinished. There's still one more returning home to take place. But here we are waiting for the Christ who saved the world to show up. Right? And not just to show up on Christmas Eve 2,000 years ago, but to show up in our lives today. We're waiting together, right? That's another piece of the good news is that we're in this together. There is a we, and we're actively waiting this kingdom of God. But God has never left us. And so we step up and we step in to this role as light bearers, of bringers, of hope. And we rejoice that Christmas is coming regardless of circumstance. First Thessalonians invites us to rejoice always. I do believe that is possible. Even with the pain, we can find joy. Maybe because of the pain, we can find joy. So may the joy of Christ move into your hearts, into your homes, and into your lives as together we await the Christ child, the restorer. Amen.